0: Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers. It's on Tuesday afternoon. You're my last patient of the day. Um, it's 5 at 5, which means five questions from patients or anybody. Um, so I do this every Tuesday night if you're interested. So tonight, and these are questions I just received, so it's off the cuff, and which is sometimes the best way. I hope you've had a great week um, in the midst of all this chaos and everything, Um, I hope you can calm down and chill and realize that you're going to be fine. Um, So, first question, what's the difference between an integrated medical doctor and a primary care physician? Are you a primary care physician? That may have come from um, my podcast uh, that I've got coming up next week on uh, how to find a good primary care physician. Um, you might want to tune in on that one, but, um, well, number one, yeah, I am a primary care physician. Um, I'm a board certified family doc. I'm also board certified in sports medicine and integrative and functional medicine. Uh, so that comes a real question. What's the difference between an integrated medical doctor and a primary care physician? Well, an integrated medical doctor has gone, on and gotten training in functional integrated medicine and that's more of a an area of medicine that tries to find out why you have a certain condition you know as primary care docs we're well trained anyway but we focus more on you know what the diagnosis is pinning the diagnosis down and finding the right medication for you um you know after 20 years of practice i realized this wasn't going to be enough for me Um, I happened upon a medical conference in integrative medicine in Las Vegas one year, mainly because I wanted to go out there. And so I walked, and the only conference at that time was a conference on integrative medicine. So I I went into the conference, and a light bulb went off, and I thought, you know, this is the way I want to practice medicine. I'm not satisfied with um, not being able to tell you why you have something. So the difference is, um, in integrative or functional medicine, we look at in more detail into things like why you why do you have this disease in the first place? Um, what can we do to get you out of this disease without having to treat you with more and more medications? And I, of course, I use medications, but it's almost like a mix between the traditional allopathic medicine and more of an alternative holistic approach so hopefully it's the best of both worlds Uh, you know you learn a lot about nutrition you learn a lot about hormone therapy and evaluation autoimmune diseases gut health because a lot of times you know a disease that you've been labeled with is really just a manifestation of your lifestyle like what you're eating or obesity or stress or you know you've messed your gut microbiome up so it's these things that I really love to delve into and it usually requires a little more you know advanced testing and more time spent with you and trying to find out the root causes so those are the things that I enjoy most Um, so there is a difference Um, many primary care doctors many ER docs surgeons from every specialty they turned into integrated medical docs because they want to look deeper into it. And it's certainly been, after 35 years of practice, is certainly uh, right up my alley now. I love what I do. Um, all right, next question. I'm a female on pellet therapy. It's been four months since my last insertion, and I still feel great. I don't want to wait until I start to feel bad before I get my next pellet but I also don't want to get them too soon. What's the best way to decide when I need my next pellet insertion? That's a great question Uh, because people metabolize these pellets differently. I do think with bioidentical hormone replacement that pellets are by far the best way to do it, to do um, hormone therapy, male or female. Um, So usually what I like to do is um, after you've had your pellets for a couple months, I check labs and see where I have you. And then ideally, after about four or five months, whenever your symptoms tend to creep back in, I check another level to see where you're at. And then we kind of can formulate a plan. You know, if you, if you don't want to go that extra route and get all the testing, uh, you can probably be safely assured that you can do it every four months, which is probably an average um, some people can stretch it out to five months I've even had people stretch it out to six months they do fine and I really a lab test is a lab test I go more by clinical symptoms so after you've done it for a while you can kind of figure out the length of time it's going to last you whether it's four or five months but if you want to be on the safe side you know just do it every four months I, I'm not going to overdose anybody with hormones so um, so an average of four months check the labs if you really think you may they may last longer for you and uh you know we'll talk about it um great question uh next question i'm a middle-aged man interested in samoralin is samoralin growth hormone if not what is it well um, samoralin is what we call a secretagogue it's a peptide which means it's a sequence of amino acids that is a signaler to another organ to, um, put out hormone on its own. So when I say secretagogue, then what I mean by that is it's not growth hormone, but it acts like growth hormone and it turns your own growth hormone production on growth hormone in Tennessee. We can't use it legally unless, you know, you're a dwarf. Um, but, it's used in some other states. It's a gray area. The thing about growth hormone, it's it's a great hormone, but it can have side effects. Plus it's almost prohibitively expensive. If you get real growth hormone, it would cost you at least $1,200 a month. Some uh, which actually comes in both shot and sublingual troche form, um, is real affordable. And it's non-controversial at all. There's no controversy at all. All it does is kind of turn on your own your own body's production of more growth hormone. Growth hormone is a repair hormone. When you're talking about testosterone, for example, that's an anabolic steroid. Um, it produces growth of a muscle, etc. Um, but growth hormone is more of a repair hormone. So if you're a, a person that works out a lot, that tends to get sore after workouts and not recover quickly, then you may want to look at your growth hormone levels. And we do that through a, a blood test called IGF-1, um, because you can't really check growth hormone in a blood. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't tell you anything. Well, uh, we found out that um, samoralin, and there's some other analogs like tesamoralin, uh CJC-1295 with DAC, and this is sounds complex, but when you study this stuff all the time, it's really not. Um, but they work well, too. Some of them are more expensive than others. Uh is probably the most common one that we use. It's more affordable than some of the others. But uh, certainly they all work pretty well, and we measure your IGF-1 levels to see how well it's working and really how well you feel. Growth hormone is a great hormone. Unfortunately, a lot of the athletes abused it and took the – the right to take it from older adults who really probably need it more. Um, but it, it is expensive, and it can cause side effects like carpal tunnel syndrome. It can pop your sugar levels up a little bit temporarily. Um, and if you had an occult tumor growing somewhere, theoretically, growth hormone could make it grow faster. However, that's never been seen in a study. So, um, but anyway, so... Yeah, so more is a, a kind of a, one of those next-level things. If you work out a lot or you, maybe you want to get a little leaner and nothing else is working, it's a good hormone. It really is. Very safe. Um, next question. There's a lot of talk relating metabolic syndrome and difficulties with COVID-19. Um, how do you treat metabolic syndrome? Um, yeah, you know, people with metabolic syndrome are definitely do worse with covid Metabolic syndrome is defined as somebody with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, high triglycerides, and belly fat. And it's true that those people, especially the obese people, the ones that are really having problems with COVID-19, look on any newscast and look at the people that are dying from this. And I I guarantee you about 90% of them are... Um, morbidly obese and most of them have hypertension and at least pre-diabetes so those are things you want to get rid of anyway because it causes heart disease and cancer we know that and susceptibility to viruses or anything so those are things you want to work on and the covid19 pandemic scare should scare us into getting more leaner and more healthy i think that's why our country is having much more problem with it than any other country in the world because they're so obese, out of shape, hypertensive, um, diabetic. I mean, if you look at all the stats in the other countries that are having problems with this, I mean, a lot of them are stacked up on top of one another, but yet there's very little obesity. And very little deaths with COVID. Another major risk factor, as I keep hammering people this, is low vitamin D. You know, get vitamin D on board, get C, and get zinc. Um, People that have a normal or high level of vitamin D usually do much better than people with low vitamin D. Um, That's why I think it's striking Latino and black populations harder, because typically they have a lot lower vitamin D levels. Um, but anyway, so yeah, do anything you can to get rid of metabolic syndrome. Um, last question What's your best advice for providers coming out of school who want to get into integrative and preventive medicine? That, that's a great question. That must have come from either a med student or a resident. Um, my best advice is you know, after you finish your residency, get out and practice for a little while to get the experience see what the system's like then when you get dissatisfied with the system all the red tape bureaucracies and you want to take it to the next level go do a fellowship in integrated medicine you know there's several out there in the country and learn a little bit dive a little bit deeper into it but first you'd probably need to get some experience with uh, mainstream allopathic medicine and um, you know, that to me, that's the the best combination is one that has experience in both, so they can take the best of both worlds. Um, but I do highly recommend it. Um, anyway, I hope that's uh, a good answer to five great questions. Uh, be sure to tune into my podcast every Monday, my doctor's notes, and um, tune into Andy's Carb Watch. Um, and then this very interesting time in our history of our country as far as our health goes you know try to stay on top of things don't get too fearful don't let the media scare you to death that you're going to die of covid just do those things you should be doing anyway to prevent it so you don't have to worry so much and enjoy your life um, it's dr tom rogers i'll see you next tuesday at five at five